Welcome back. We are in Revelation chapter 16, verse 5. Let's go. Verse 5 says, And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another voice from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So that's Revelation chapter 16, verses 5 to 7. We just observed the text. Now we're going to go and interpret it. We're going to find out and determine what it means. And then we're going to apply it. What does it mean to me right now? And what it means to me right now may be a little different than what it means to you right now because your life circumstances are almost certainly a little bit different than mine. We will have some commonalities. We will have some stress. We will have some worry. We'll have some reason to be impatient, upset, to want to harbor unforgiveness. But God's going to work with different verses at different times for each of us to teach us, to guide us, and to lead us. Remember that this is speaking of the tribulation. A quick timetable update because I really want to get it ingrained in our minds because I think it really helps understand Revelation. The book of Revelation and the book of Genesis are so incredibly important to understanding the rest of the Bible. I call them the bookends of the Bible. I just call them that because that's what I've heard them called before. So it's not my creation, but uh, I love that analogy. And if you have a good understanding of those two books, you're going to have a better understanding of the Bible. If you skip over those books because you think they're hard or controversial or you don't understand them, God wouldn't put them there. If just to be hard. He wouldn't put them there for you to skip over. He wouldn't put them there for churches to disregard. He puts them there, and they're very important. And every church should make sure that they get through the entire book of Revelation and the entire book of Genesis at some point, and I'll call it a 15-year period or however long it takes that church to teach through the entire Bible verse by verse. If you're not in a good verse-by-verse church, I encourage you to get in a good verse-by-verse church. Hopefully you're seeing the fruit of that here and maybe another ministry or ministries that you're following. I can tell you that verse-by-verse has absolutely changed my life. I was never in a verse-by-verse church until I moved to California and I got into one. I said, wow, I can't believe that no one has ever taught me verse-by-verse before. Sure, a church every now and again would say, hey, let's dig into whatever, John 3.16, let's look at this. But so often it was topical and they're hopping around and they'd go from John and then to another book the next day or the next month and another one. And we didn't just get, all right, roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and learn what God is trying to teach us verse by verse through the Bible. I believe that's how Jesus taught. I believe that's how we are best taught. I can tell you with certainty that it has been the number one ingredient for my catalyst in wanting to grow with the Spirit because I thirst for learning more about the Bible and it is an incredible way to learn and it's an incredible way to teach. And I pray that everyone listening to this, some of you I know are already teaching, some of you are pastors, some of you teach small groups, Uh, some of you have never taught and I encourage you to get out and teach. Take your shot, study a book, just get really good with one book, pray about it, read it, interpret it, apply it. And then go and teach it to someone around you, even if it's starting with children because you're afraid of messing up around adults. That's fine. Start somewhere, but start teaching the Bible. That's my encouragement to today. I didn't know I was going to say that, but that just came out. So uh, here we go. Verse 5, and I heard the angel of the... Oh, I was going to do the timetable, but uh, uh, super quickly. 
Church age began at Pentecost. It will end with the rapture. Then the tribulation will begin. The tribulation will last for seven years. At the end of the seven years, we'll have the second coming, the second advent of Jesus. Jesus will come again. He hasn't come since he ascended into heaven uh, after his death and resurrection. And then we'll have a, a thousand-year millennial kingdom. So here we are in the tribulation, specifically the latter three and a half years of the tribulation, known as the Great Tribulation. And God's full wrath is being poured out. In the beginning of the tribulation, we saw lots of kind of supernatural judgments, supernatural catastrophes, um, some natural stuff going on too. But that was partial judgment. Here is God's full judgment. And remember, there's purpose in his judgment. There's purpose in all of this. And one of those purposes is for people to turn to Jesus, for people to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is Lord and Savior, to place him as the most important thing in, in your life, in their lives, and in my life right here, right now. Because we can't just put this off on the people tomorrow, because this could happen, the rapture could happen in five minutes from now, as soon as I you know, say my next word. Um, so we want to be prepared for that. And here we go, verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord. So connect righteous and because. He's righteous because he has judged these things, okay? So watch this. Uh, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. So just kind of cut out that middle phrase, skip Connect the first fragment with the second fragment, and it says, You are righteous because you have judged these things. You are righteous because you have judged these things. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's the only one who can judge. We are not to judge, and that's where a lot of unbelievers take the Bible, uh, take verses out of context and throw them on us and say, You can't judge me, man. You can't judge me smoking pot or getting drunk or killing this person or killing all the babies because I get pregnant, you know, every two years. And uh, that's fine. That's that's me. You can't judge me. God even says you can't judge right here in the Bible. Look at it. Well, what God's telling us is that we can't judge for eternity. God knows our heart and he's the righteous judge. He's the only one righteous. He's the only one who can judge. He is just. What we are to do is to teach our friends, family members, colleagues, neighbors, and our enemies about Jesus and about the truth that he sets forth, about the truth that he has revealed to us in the Bible. We are to encourage people in that truth. We are to um, correct and admonish and rebuke. We are not judging for eternity. We are helping people to understand the truth. But they're going to use it as, oh man, you're judging me. You can't judge me. I can do whatever I want. You're a hypocrite. Um, nope. All right. So you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be. We saw this at the beginning of Revelation. The one who is and who was and who is to be. The one who is, that's present. The one who was, that's past. The one who is to be, that's future. That's the Alpha and the Omega. God is the beginning and the end. The Greek alphabet starts with Alpha and ends with Omega. That's why we say this is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He always was, always has been, and he always will be. You and I are not. We are created by God. And we didn't create ourselves. And we certainly didn't come into existence by accident. The universe didn't just 
conspire to create human beings because the universe is not a thinking entity. Never in history has an uh, inte- has intelligence come from an unintelligent thing. It's not possible. It's like the story of the man who said, "All right, God, uh, you know, I'll probably tell the story a little bit different than you may have heard it, because uh, I don't know how I've heard it even." But let's uh, let's make a man. And uh, God said, "Sure, you go first. And the guy grabs a handful of dirt and he's about to start forming a, a person. And God says, "Uh-uh, you can't do that." And he says, "What? I'm just grabbing some dirt because people are made from you know dirt and the ingredients of the earth." And God says, "No, no, I made that dirt. That dirt. You go create your own dirt, right? God is, He was, and He is to be. And it says because you have judged these things." <clears throat> So God is judge righteous because he has judged these things. He has the ability to judge. He has the desire to judge because injustice needs to be... Um, how do I say that? I don't know if I can say that correctly right now. Uh, sins and offenses need to be judged or reconciled. And if you love Jesus, he's going to pardon you. It's like you're being in a courtroom and you're, getting found, you're being found not guilty. Or you've been found guilty and a president of the United States in his last couple of days in the office pardons you and says it's expunged from his record. It's like it never happened. And that's what God does for us. But if you don't know the president of the United States, you're not going to be pardoned. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't be pardoned. And he has purpose for judging these things. And remember, don't ask the question of how could a loving God allow blank, cancer, death, illness, job loss, etc.? But change the question and say, how can a God be so loving that he will allow me to be in his presence, in his holy heaven, for eternity, without fear, without tears? And all I have to do, all I have to do, I don't have to earn it at all. I just have to ask forgiveness and invite him into my life as my Lord and Savior. That is it. How cool is that? How could a God be so loving that he allows me in his presence forever? I don't know the answer to that, but that's his grace. And that's what separates Christ from every religion. I'm not a religious person. I'm a Jesus follower. I don't like religion. Verse 6, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. They have shed the blood of saints and prophets. So the saints, you have the Old Testament saints, you have the New Testament saints, you have the tribulation saints, kind of three sets of saints, if you will, the Old Testament saints were pre-Jesus uh, being on the earth. The New Testament saints are people who came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and accept, invite him to be their Lord and Savior uh, from Pentecost through current time and through the Revelation. And then you'll have the tribulation saints, which are those who come to Christ during the tribulation. And all of, all of those saints will be in heaven. They'll have different roles in heaven. For example, the church collectively, every person uh, who is part of that church will be um, hold on, will uh, notice popped up and hold on um, I totally forgot my train of thought alright, anyways uh, oh, the church will be the bride in heaven and that's something that the tribulation saints and the Old Testament saints will not be able to be is the bride of Christ and then it says, the end of verse 6, And you have given them blood to drink, 
Here's their choice. Wear a robe dipped in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and be declared righteous, or drink the blood of those Christ believers you have persecuted. Give me one second. I need to check something. That's right. Okay. There's a meeting that was popping up on my computer, and I thought it was for me, but it's for my colleague. Okay, good. So this same choice is yours today. You can either be thankful for the blood that Jesus shed for you on the cross, and in return, you can be willing to shed your own blood and be persecuted or killed for telling people about Jesus. Or, here's your other option, you can ignore Jesus. Or you can be worse, lukewarm with him, with an occasional prayer, an occasional church church service attendance, maybe on Christmas and Easter. But guess what? The blood of the persecuted will be on your hands. I used to be that guy. You've heard my story. I used to be the guy who would go to church occasionally and call myself a Christian. If you asked me where my Bible was, I probably couldn't tell you. If you asked me to recite any verse, I probably couldn't give you any. Maybe one or two or three. If you said, what's the most important thing in your life? I would have told you partying, getting good grades, making money, having a good job, stuff like that. And my answer wouldn't have been simple. Right now it's simple. What's the most important thing in your life right now, Mike? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I'll say that every time, all day, every day. Even when I'm making tough decisions or I'm in a sad place or I'm having a pity party on myself, whatever it is, it's still going to be, what's the most important thing to you? Jesus. And I'm asking him to help me constantly because I need his help. And I want you to do the same. And that's what Jesus wants you to do is to rely on him. Some people say, oh, you need religion as a crutch. You need Jesus as a crutch. That's Christianity is for weaklings. You check your brain at the door. No, actually, I think you check your brain at the door if you're saying that evolution happened. I think you check your brain at the door if you're saying that we came from an unintelligent thing. All of a sudden, there were gases that no one can explain how they got there, and they just exploded and collided and created us. No, that's checking your brain at the door. That is, uh, and you can't. And people try to call it as truth, and it's a complete theory. You can't go back in time and observe it. We can't go back in time, uh, in time and observe the beginning of time. Uh, we can't observe God before He created the earth. So both of them require faith, and I think it takes a lot more faith, a lot more dangerous faith to believe that we came from nothing um, than to believe that there's a God who always has been, always will be, always is, and that he loves us, and he created us for a purpose. And he wants us to come to him. So I'm going to give you an example here. So a mob boss or drug dealer may not do the dirty work anymore, but the blood of each victim is still on their hands. The same is true of a corrupt politician. The same is true of of politicians in America today who encourage the murder of babies in the womb and pass legislation that has led to the death of over 60 million people alone here in the United States, which is many times worse than the Holocaust, many times worse than the Holocaust. That doesn't include international abortions. And Biden right now is passing legislation or has just passed legislation that is now going to take our hard-earned tax dollars and use those tax dollars to help people in other countries get abortions. Right? This is absolutely despicable and disgusting. These are human beings inside of another human being 
who just have not come out yet. You can't see them. So they're like, oh, you can't see them. Well, I could hide behind a curtain and you can't see me. Does that give you the right to kill me? Well, they don't have the development, uh, so it's okay to kill them. Well, a person with Down syndrome doesn't have the development, but do we have the right to kill them? No. Well, they're dependent on the mother, and therefore we can kill them. No. A a diabetic needs insulin, and that person is reliant and dependent on that insulin. Should we kill them because they... uh, are dependent? No. Well, they're small, and because they're small, we can kill them. Well, a small person, a dwarf, a midget, whatever you want to call that uh, person who is smaller than you, much smaller than you, they're smaller than you. Does that give you the right to kill them? No, they're still a person, right? This just absolutely makes no sense. Um, but know this God will have his vengeance upon each and every one of those people, and there will be eternal consequences unless they repent of their wicked deeds and turn to Christ. And I'm going to say something, and it may offend some of you, and and my desire is not, but I want you to see how important the fruits are. So we can sit and say, I'm a Christian, kind of like I used to in college and in my 20s, but my life did not represent Christ at all. And that's why I look back and say, nope, I wasn't a Christian. I thought I was, but I was lukewarm. And I think that's exactly where uh, President Biden is. Let me give you an example. He says he's a Christian. Actually, he won't call himself a Christian. I think he'll just call himself a Catholic, um, which is a topic for another day. But let me explain this. He's saying you can have gender choice. You can choose your gender. You can choose what sex you want to marry. You can change your mind on what sex you want to be. And I mean, he encourages the killing of babies. He wants women to do it. He's giving our tax dollars to do it. And he's giving our tax dollars internationally to do it. And yet he says he loves Jesus no, no. Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know me. If you see a tree and it has oranges coming off of it, you're going to say, and some dude's like, hey, come check out my apple tree. You're like, uh uh-uh, that's an orange tree. And he says, no, that's an apple tree. You're like, look at the oranges coming off. There's not an apple. Has an apple ever come off of that? So by their fruit, you shall know me. And again, we can't judge this. I can't sit there and say President Biden is not saved. Um, I can tell you with my high level of confidence that he is not saved. Uh, but only Jesus knows his heart. But again, if he's passing this legislation to help kill babies and gender choice, I don't think there's any possible way that he's saved. Now, does that mean I want to hate him or anything? No, I'm gonna. I'm under his authority. As long as he doesn't force me to do something unbiblical, then I will honor his authority. And it doesn't mean I'm gonna hate him or that he's my enemy. Uh, I want to get the right person in office who will help reverse some of the damage that he's doing. Um, and so I will vote my beliefs. I will put money towards that. I will um, pray about that. And But most importantly, I want him to come to Christ. I want him to have a moment in office or post office before he dies that says, Lord, I have sinned. I am so sorry that I led to the death of so many babies. I am so sorry that I just butchered your word with the debauchery of the legislation that I passed. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. That's what I pray for President Biden and for everybody who is opposed to Jesus at this moment. So sorry it went long today. I just had that on my heart. Lord, I pray that all of us would show fruit, that our works would be fruitful and point to you, that they would be in line with Scripture, and that where there are things that we're doing in our lives, whether it be impatience, anger, bitterness, uh, drugs, alcohol, anything that is 
that someone could look at and say, that person's a hypocrite, that person's trying to judge me, that person doesn't look at them. Lord, convict us of that and help us to have more fruit that leads more people to you. All in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.